0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we like to touch base with Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is the New South Wales and ACT State Director for Family Voice Australia. Greg's back with us. Hi, Greg. Welcome back to 2020.
1: Good morning, Neil. Welcome to be back.
0: Hey, Greg. Just want to touch on some developing thoughts that you're having as you're. Uh, just got feelers out all over the country insofar as uh, churches that have been meeting at homes, we've all been so concerned about the idea that churches have closed doors and uh, sometimes we're quite happy with that because of the health consequences uh, other times we're saying well maybe the consequences are not as bad in Australia and perhaps we should fling those doors wide open but you've been thinking recently about some unintended consequences of worshipping from home uh, what have you come up with?
1: Yeah, thank you. Now, look, um, I read some research uh, internationally and then uh, that research prompted me to do my own research here in Australia to see what's happening. Um, I attended our church again for the second week in a row for the, for, since the COVID uh, shutdown. And this is what I've come up with after a bit of bit of research, uh, talking to colleagues, ministers and, of course, going to my own church. Five things came out very clearly, uh, Neil. First one was that, I don't know, and I'd be interested in feedback from your listeners as well, but sermons tend to be shorter, yet more profound. In other words, um, ministers on on Zoom, webinar, or whatever it may be, tend to have a much shorter sermon. Secondly, I've also found that the sermons uh, tend to be far simpler. In other words, the... uh, the, the the pastor or the minister is not getting too involved with creating. Uh, in other words um, there's a greater concentration on the creator rather than their own creativity. Uh,
0: let's just uh, dwell yeah. on this just for a moment here yep. Greg because mm. uh, shorter sermons mm. uh, less contrived and I think what you mean by yep. that is that the mm. pastor is not trying to be quite as entertaining uh, and uh, is more getting to the point. Is that what you're trying to say there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know. I know my own church. You know, sometimes our uh, pastors have, um, you know, slides. They have uh, uh, prompts that they hold up, uh, somewhat theatrical. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that, that they're trying to engage with their congregation much quicker. So that seems to have gone. It is now basically just a simpler version of a sermon. Uh, In other words, they're concentrating more on the creator than their own creativity now.
0: Interestingly, and uh, we'll get back to your uh, points in a moment, but I've noticed, and uh, even in my own thoughts, uh, doing Mm -hmm. church in our living room, uh, that once my church service is finished, I'm much more inclined to go searching for uh, a YouTube clip with some worship could be from anywhere around the world or looking at other messages, perhaps yep. messages that might be prompted by what my pastor has delivered in his uh, Sunday message. Is that the sort of thing that you think people are doing as well? Are they are they uh, staying on and uh, and absorbing more?
1: Well, absolutely. I know I do it, Neil, so I'm doing the same as you. Uh, I, I do exactly that. And, and in particular, I also try and make sure what other... Uh, uh, you know, versions of that particular sermon other ministers may have around the world. So yes, I am doing that. So uh and and funnily you 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 mentioned that because during the uh, these now that uh, you know the the churches are back, um there there's this tends to be a congregation of, you know, intergenerational worship um, this has always been an issue, and you know what I'm saying here is that I've noticed now that the young and the old and the children tend to be all in in one particular location. There are still having kids groups and what have you, but intergeneral intergenerational worship um, should be really something that we need to look at more more uh, closely now that we're starting to regroup. The other thing I noticed, Neil, and you might uh, you may have noticed it as well, is that when I to a, uh, a, a sermon on Zoom, the actual music worship has reduced somewhat. Uh, there may be one or two songs, if any, and in some cases I've looked at some of the uh, sermons online or churches online, there's no music uh, worship at all. So one of the things we need to sort of question maybe now is, okay, do we actually need music? Does this help fulfill our mission? Um, So there's another issue that uh, one can look at that I found is interesting. And the last one is that uh, uh, we have to be aware that the quality of worship is not the same as the quantity of worship. In other words, I find that even that the sermons are shorter on Zoom, uh, the quality is much better.
0: Okay. well it's interesting isn't it uh, when you start to touch on issues around music uh, not every church is going to be so well equipped to do a Correct. major musical production for their praise and worship at the uh, beginning of their online event uh, I know some do it well I know that my own yep. local church does it incredibly well and uh, yep. we've got some very talented musicians not every church is blessed with incredibly talented musicians that can make that happen And uh, but th- but then there's also and I'll get your thoughts here Greg is also this idea that the professionalism of your worship leaders might not be quite so as important as the authenticity of what's happening with the worship and I've heard feedback uh, even from listeners uh, about the way that the authenticity of what they're hearing is much more important than the professionalism when it's coming from their local church on a Sunday any thoughts around that?
1: Absolutely. Look, uh, funny you mentioned that because I'm finding that that is exactly the case. Um, uh, in particular, in the Sunday uh, church that uh, we attended, um, there was no congregational singing because, of course, that creates, you know, extra uh, air vapours in the air and what have you and what have you. So that was uh, eliminated. So the minister basically had the Bible reading and then the minister went straight into the sermon. Uh, not long uh, around about 20 minutes and that's an interesting topic how long a sermon should be but it was of quality rather than quantity.
0: Okay. And you've also had some thoughts around what's happening with the churches that are regathering and now I guess we're only talking about relatively small churches here because I know that larger churches have been putting off the idea of regathering and those churches that have been full on a Sunday Yeah. Uh, when they're faced with restrictions with social distancing, have been discovering that when they used to be able to fit 400 people in, uh, now they're only able to fit 60 in because of social distancing restrictions. Uh, They're only small churches that are regathering. There's some big issues around all of that, but what have you found with those that have uh, tested the waters, they've begun to gather again? What have have you found?
1: Yeah, Neil, again, uh, a quick research with uh, various churches around... uh, Around the state, and I'm sure this is uh, reflective of uh, nationally, but uh, five things came out very quickly, Neil, and they were basically the churches are following the state guidelines, the COVID 19 guidelines. They are providing sanitizers, uh, social distancing, so they're following the directions of their state authorities. The second thing I found out is very, very interesting is that uh, attendance is much lower than pre quarantine. Period. So attendance is much lower. I think people are hesitant to get, get back to church on a, on, on a person-to-person basis. So the numbers were down. Um, thirdly, I found also that, interestingly, on, on the church that I attended on Sunday, they were predominantly senior members of the church, which is mm-hmm. actually ironic because you'd think that the elderly would stay away, but they, in point of fact, were the ones that dominated the numbers in, on, on a Sunday. So that's an interesting one. And finally, I also found that uh, uh, that uh, a lot of the churches are providing additional areas for people to worship, whether it's a breakout room or what have you. So they're being creative. They're, they're also being uh, innovative in, in how best to present um, God's Word to the congregation. And one other thing I found was it doesn't matter whether you've got uh, a face-to-face sermon or you're going to Zoom, People always will criticise a minister or a church, and that's something I heard again. That they, you know they tended to criticise the, the, the zoom, whether it was too loud or too soft or not colourful enough or whatever. So, there are things that have come out of my research, you know, which is very interesting as we start to regather. <laughs>
0: Interesting that you draw attention to the fact that uh, maybe some churches have been having a break from some of the negativity. But uh, yeah. <laughs> negative, but interesting when people do make a criticism, oftentimes they're doing that with the best intent, uh, giving Correct. their feedback, and sometimes it can be taken. As a criticism, or taken personally, and uh, and that's that way you you know you have people concerned about one another. So some will have had a bit of a break from that. Others, <laughs> others won't be able to wait to get back so that they can share their critique of how things have been going, and then their critique about how things will move forward. And, and with that's something yeah. of that is human nature, and uh, that's where when you're leading a church, you've got to have a bit of a thick skin oh. and to be able to discern what's a genuine critique, and what's uh, nasty criticism? And uh, some of those, you've got to be
1: careful. I I preach, I I, I get invited to preach at various churches, which I love, uh, but I can tell you where there's a sermon,
0: as a critic. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, hey, Greg, there's a big issue that has been looming and not been discussed all that widely here in Australia, but there's been a development in the United States. Mm. And there was a decision that was made by the Supreme Court of the United States around uh, LGBT issues and employment. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of the developments around the decision in the United States and what connection that may have to Australia?
1: Well I think it's got a tremendous connection Neil because two things have come out of this. One you will recall that we in Australia through the Prime Minister Scott Morrison who undertook to have a religious freedom bill enacted uh, in the next or, or this term of government well, that's now been delayed. We've heard nothing from it. So what has actually happened? And I suspect the problem has become too difficult for the Prime Minister. Going back to the American decision of the Supreme Court, three three issues have come up. It doesn't matter whether you're in uh, Washington or Sydney or Melbourne or Timbuktu, and they are. One, does the ruling of the High Court mean that churches, Christian schools, ministries and other religious institutions... Could be forced to violate their biblical convictions regarding gender and sexuality. The second issue, Neil, is does that mean if our church pastor says, hey, I'm a transgender person, I've decided to transgender, can we sack him or her? That's, that's the second issue. And the third issue that's come out of this decision is could the could ministry refuse to hire? a gay person based on their sexual identity. Now, we need to address this from a biblical perspective, which I I can talk about later, but one of the things that that, uh, Franklin Graham said straight after the decision of the Supreme Court was that I believe this decision erodes religious freedoms across the country. People of sincere faith who stand on God's word as their foundation for life should never be forced by the government to compromise their religious beliefs.
0: And interesting, isn't it, that so many will say, we demand a separation of church and state, but when it comes to controlling (laughs) the church, we want to impose the state. And uh, there are some challenges there. And uh, as the religious freedom legislation uh, is sometime into the near future perhaps mm. going to be debated uh, these things are going to be hotly contested and a decision like that coming from the united states that's has that's caused concern in the us and uh, you're saying that should concern Us here because oftentimes flow on effects of things that happen in the Supreme Court in the United States do have uh, their own legal flow on to other nations, and uh, that may be something that people will be monitoring here in Australia
1: yeah well what what tends to happen and pardon my expression neil but the loony left tend to pick up on what 's happening over there, then they will want to implement those decisions into any religious freedom bill that comes up here in australia, and we don 't want that we are we, we are still whether you like it or not, to the people out there that say we 're secular we 're not we 're still a christian nation fifty one percent in a, in the in the, in the last um Census indicated they were people of faith. So we're still a Christian faith, and we need to make sure that as Christians we, you know, we we back that we are not going to compromise our religious beliefs now. That's good.
0: Hey, Greg Bondar, New South Wales and ACT State Director for Family Voice Australia. Let me point people to the Family Voice website and uh, familyvoice.org.au. That's familyvoice.org.au. Greg Bondar, thanks so much for your update today on 2020.
1: Thank you for the opportunity, Neil.